You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Beyond the Headlines with your host, veteran journalist Darren Nichols. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Darren Nichols. Today, we have a special guest with us. Joining us today is Monique Owens, the first African-American mayor in East Point. Welcome, Monique. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Oh, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And so we're going to jump right into it. Okay. Um, Like me, many people around the Metro Detroit area and folks who listen to this podcast, they don't know who you are. So sort of tell us who you are and um, what led you to being in East Point. Okay. Well, I used to be a Wayne County Sheriff for 11 years and also a stand-up comedian. And so a lot of people say comedy. Yeah. And the lifestyle I live, you need to a little bit of comedy in your life when you're dealing with inmates and crime and things. You got to have something to balance you. And so I always was, a, you know, funny and things like that. So I took it to another level and did stand up comedy, opened up my own talent agency and things like that. And so people say, OK, now where does the politics come in at? And so um, I let a lot of people know I lived in, moved to East Point And back in the day, East Point was like a Mayberry city, you know, everybody was walking their dogs, jogging and things like that. And neighborhood I came from, we were running away from dogs. And only times you heard somebody jogging, you know, trying to get away from the police. Right. So I'm like, okay, um, that's what I knew about East Point, you know, okay. and things like that. And so I wanted, when I had my children, my twin daughters, shout out to Cameron and Katie. I love oh. you. Um, I wanted a better, you know, atmosphere and environment. And that's what I remember East Point to be. And so when I moved there, my car got stolen out the driveway. I'm like, hold on, this is not Mayberry anymore. What's really going on? Right. And I said, how can I give back to this community? How can I do something to make it the way I knew it was would be, you know, when I was a child? And so I was like, okay, what can I do? Get more involved. I did that. But it was still wasn't enough for me. And then later on, I found out that they were looking for a city councilwoman. I'm like, what do they do? You know what I'm saying? Because I didn't grow up around politics, city council, talking about those things. So I looked it up, found out what it was, you know, applied several times, got denied to finally, you know, I tried to get elected for it. But by that time, it was already somewhat already made up for the next person you know and so when I found out the makeup of politics and how people set things up for the next person I knew that I had to go another route and so um, when it was time to get elected in 2017 and I ran I was able to be the first African-American councilwoman now two years later now here I am and I am now the you know first African-American mayor you know and so a lot of people say okay so you made history twice I said Actually, is I'm a, a triple threat because I'm the first African-American councilwoman in East Point, the first African-American mayor in East Point, and the first African-American mayor of Macomb County. Wow. So, you know, and I'm able to do those things because people saw something different in me. You know, even people say, well, you know, how did you reach out and do that? Well, I reached out to a lot of people that people don't ever really touch. And I feel like sometimes people don't touch on the disabled. 
They don't touch on getting votes from African-Americans like they should and or the youth. Okay. And so I touched in on those those key three factors and said, I need your vote. I need I need you to help me make change. Okay. And I think they want to see something different, too. Even um, the older generation who, you know, grew up back in the, you know, the, the ways where it was just one person look one way and that's who you always vote for, the norm. A lot of people waking up and want to see different. They want to see diversity. And so those people was able to wake up and saw that, you know, she is what we need. She is the new vision of East Point. She is the new vision of what we want our kids to be. And um, they just helped me move the city forward. So I'm absolutely excited about this whole new opportunity God okay. has blessed me with. Well, this was not a question that I really thought that I would ask. But you talked about being in comedy and mm-hmm. and and now being in politics. And so what is it about you that that made you infectious? Because when you're on stage as a comedian, mm-hmm. you have to draw the crowd to you. And and as a mayor in or as a city official in any kind of capacity, you kind of have to do the same thing. So mm-hmm. how, talk to me about that mixture and how it made you um, stand out from the pack, because there's thousands of comedians that are out right. there, right? There are, you're in, when you're running for a city council seat or a mayor seat, there are several people that you have to beat. So you have mm-hmm. to find a way to um, stand out from the crowd. So talk to me a little bit about that. I think with comedy, comedy, got to go back. Comedy is the one of the reasons why I am here today because comedy opened me up and be able to talk to people on so many different levels. And if you notice a lot of comedians like D.L. Ugly and Steve Harvey and um, people who started in comedy and now are big into politics because they know how to get to people and they become a voice. And so uh, comedy helps you be able to connect with people. And I think I have used that a lot in my political arena because I'm able to connect with people by, you know, being humorous, letting them know, being real. You know, being able to tell people my story and connect it with them. And that's part of being, you know, a comedian, telling your story, you know, connecting with the audience and making them laugh because we both share the same, you know, experiences and, you know, issues. And so being a politician, a lot of times you don't connect with, you know, those people because you don't share the same issues and things like that. And I think me being real, me, come, you know, being outgoing and outspoken and letting people know these are the issues, these are what the people are going through, and I feel them. And so people don't see me as a fake person. Okay. And when you start being fake, you you lose a disconnect when you act like you're so perfect. And Lord knows I am definitely not that person. So you know, uh, comedy has helped me in tremendous ways to connect with people. I did some comedy in East Point, actually. I have a talent agency now that I have used throughout the community as well. Okay. And uh, just connecting people with tell, talking about the elephant in the room. Okay. okay. You know, and the thing about being a politician, now I can't do comedy as much because every little thing you say can affect you, you know, your platform. And you have to be very careful because back in the day you can laugh and everybody thought it was funny. Now people take a lot of things seriously. And so, um, and that is why you have to know your audience. And that's the biggest thing because I used to teach comedy classes, too. And I used to tell people, don't go into an audience, you know, that you can't relate to or you don't know how to get to them. You know, because I would have a a Caucasian, one of my comedians that worked for me, uh, he was Caucasian. He would ask me certain questions to say in front of a black audience. I said, don't you say that. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Don't you say that. The only way you can say that if you have something in relation to what 
a connection with them. Right. You know, don't talk about uh, an African-American woman unless you can talk about a story when you dated one. Then you make a connection. Sure. You can't talk about something you haven't experienced or you don't know nothing about. Then people get offended. Right. And so he understood what I was saying and things like that. And so you have to build a connection, know your audience, and talk about things you know because people don't, you know, because people will come back and ask you things that you said didn't know about and then you start looking crazy. Right. So, um, yeah, so comedy has helped me a lot, you know, moving forward. It's connected me with so many uh, races of people, experience, you know, people from different backgrounds and experiences. And, I, you know, I thank comedy for where I am today. All right. Well, as long as I don't end up in one of your, <laughs> your comedy sketches, I'm good. No, definitely not. Okay. All right. I'm just making sure because, you know, you can get on stage and say, you know, I was being interviewed by this guy, and <laughs> you know, and he just, you know, he did this, you know. Right. You, you know how you all, you comic, comedians are. Yeah, you know? we, we talk. Oh, and I talked about people. So that's it. Right. I can't, I can't right. really do so, on stage. I so, talked about people too right. much. Right. So, you know, as long as I don't, as long <laughs> as I don't end up on your stage, I'm straight. Okay. So back to what we were kind of talking about. So you were installed Tuesday as the mayor. Yes. Um, has it been real? Is it real yet? Has it sunk in that you're now the mayor of East Point and, like you said, the mm-hmm. first African-American mayor in Macomb County? Because that was something that I didn't even know. Right. So has it, you know, has it really set in that this is all happening? You know what? Um it's funny you said that. I don't think it said it. It set in a couple of days ago when I was getting ready for my swearing in. I was in DSW and I just started screaming. And everybody looked at me like, did she find a sale? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's really going on? And I just started screaming like, oh, my God, I'm the mayor. You know what I'm saying? I'm finding shoes. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm finding something to be, you know, get dressed in. And get. it hit me right then and there at DSW. So um, it was just, you know, because I'm preparing myself for what God has told me I was going to get. And it was, you know, unreal. It hit me right there. You know, you prepare yourself, you walk doors, you canvas, you have people standing by you. And then it's like, okay, we get, we got this, we got this. And then later on, you're getting dressed for what you've been talking about, you know? So it was just so unreal to just be able to talk about something, walk to something. And now, you know, the vision is coming true. So then, you know, um, I'm absolutely excited about it. You know, I don't think everybody has caught wind to it yet. You know, people have been spreading it on Facebook and things like that, which I really appreciate because people need to know the story and need to know uh, and be inspired, you know. And so uh, it it has hit me because I started getting I was getting the attacks. Sure. Before, you know, I ran, you know, the pull down, the, the you know, the devil always send his his troops. He'll never come himself. He always send people. And um and then when I won, you start seeing other things coming to attack you, too. And it's like, and um, people will tell me, you know, you got to look out for this person. You got to look out for that person. You know, I get attacked from all tif- type of people that's trying to pull me down and trying to uh, threaten me and follow me and things like that. So I have dealt with that too. And so I was like, I can't keep fighting. So somebody's like, what are you talking about? You got to keep fighting. I'm like, I'm fighting, but certain things you just can't always fight on your own. You got to leave it to God. Right. You got to have to. He sent me, he, he sent me this far not to fail. So I can't worry about what this person is plotting on me, what this person is plotting on me because they tried that already. Sure. Was not successful. Sure. And so 
while they're plotting that, God has, you know, already got them under control. Right. You know, so, you know, when you start winning and people start changing, because everybody want to say, when you start going on higher levels, don't change. And that's not how it is. People change when you go higher. People change. People treat you different. People ask you for money. People expect you to do certain things because you're in, t- in that position. People change, and you usually don't. Right. I'm the same silly Monique. I'm the same person that walk outside with no socks on with boots. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm the right. same person. But then when you become a mayor or something like that, people expect you to wear socks. You know what I'm saying? Right. Things like that. Right. Like, right. Or, you know, um, be dressed every time you go to the grocery store. I'm not doing that. So I will have a scully helper. Scully hat on and, you know, still trying to make sure I got money on my credit card to pay for my groceries. I might have to take five things back. I'm still the same person. But, you know, but people, once I got the title, you know, people were calling me for jobs, calling me about money. I'm like, hold on, wait, I ain't heard from you in 10 years, you know. You know, people like, you know, and things like that. And I get it when you know somebody that can help you. I get that because I always want to be the person that helps somebody. Sure. Help somebody be successful. That's my whole purpose is. Whatever I do, council, mayor, whatever God sends me, my purpose is to help someone. But at the same time, people have to realize, let me get learn my job first. Sure. So how know? did you deal with all of that? Because you're talking about um, a campaign where, like most campaigns, they have negative attacks on you. Yeah. And you also talked about, you know, um, all of this People calling you from all different angles, trying to get jobs from you, that kind of stuff. Talk to me how tough mm-hmm. it is to navigate, how how tough it was to, you know, be on a campaign and deal with those those things that typically go in campaigns. Mm-hmm. But then and then also after you've won, you know, people trying to immediately because it's only been a week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Trying to get at you in terms of, you know, Monique is on the come up, yeah. you know, and and and, they, and you can help them. Yeah. And the thing about the campaign was I was always a person that didn't like asking for help. I was, you know, I'm the oldest. I always try to uh, make a way. And so in certain instances in this campaign, I put it on Facebook, I need help. I reached out to people that I didn't know, people that she was like, why would you reach out? I reached out to celebrities. I reached out to organizations. I reached out and said, I need help. And plain as day, plain as day, I got all these uh, people on my, uh, you know, friend list, you know, things like that. And when I say I need help, I need canvases and stuff like that. It probably was shared. I probably had like a thousand friends. It po- probably like five people shared it. You know what I'm saying? And so it bothered me because it's like then once I won, then everybody came out of nowhere. Sure. And I said I wish that it would have been shared when this lady needed help. Right. You know. Uh, I thank God for the people that did step in and help me. But I wish that the number of calls, the number of friend requests, the number of texts that I have received in less than a week would have came when I said, I need help. Right. I spent all my money that I have, took all my energy, used all my health just to make people know the power of God and they can do anything when they put God first. I did everything Spent everything just to show them that. And, you know, and so at the same time, sometimes people got to see you win to believe. That's just what it is. Amen. Yeah. Sorry to say, but I wish while you're going through your journey, you know, you have those same millions of people, thousands of people, whatever you might say, say, let's help her. She's trying to do something that never has been done. 
that got to be hard. Right. It has to be. Right. Why wouldn't, you know, you you so focused on saying that can't happen and saying it hasn't happened. Right. Let's make it happen. Right. And then after you make it happen, you get all these, you know, people saying, I was, you know, I knew her from 1996. And I knew her, you know, my doctor came probably out of nowhere saying, yeah, I helped birth her. You know, it's like all these people coming out of nowhere. Like, what's really going on? I do her nails. And, you know, there's right. people out of nowhere saying, you know, I know her. And I'm, you know, and, and that's an awesome thing, you know, to have known me and know my past and things like that because they know where I came from. You know, they know I'm the same person that. You know, because sometimes people look at you like you got to go to this school, be in this organization, be in a sorority to have made it. And then when people actually know me, like, that's the same lady who came and got her nails done. And she brought me some coffee when she get, you know, they know I'm a real person. So they really ready to just, you know, put me out there. And I, I thank you for that. But at the same time, I wish during my campaign it was more of those calls, more of those text messages, more of those friend requests, more of those people following me and say, let's hit these doors and make it happen for this woman. Okay. You know, so talk to me a little bit about the significance of being an African-American mayor in a city that shunned Detroit in 1992 um, and how that played out and symbolically, what does it mean in terms of have now having the African American mayor um because in 1992 they wanted to be affiliated with the points mm-hmm. Detroit's name in East Detroit um was stripped away mm-hmm. um and so talk to me a little bit about that aspect of what went on um actually the guy who changed the city's name wrote a book and so you know when I became council I said I want to learn Everything I know about East Point to, you know, all the way to when they changed the name. And when I went to go find the guy's book who wrote why he changed it, I had to literally search for months to find that book. Okay. Because in East Point Library, it says it's four four books there, but in the computer it says there, but you go into the library, you can't find it. I said, what's really going on? Who's trying to hide these books? You know, why no one wants you to know the truth? And so they end up shipping it to me somewhere up in um, some upper part of Michigan, a uh, historical place where they keep certain books for, you know, history reasons and things like that. And I end up getting it and I end up reading it because, you know, I didn't want to believe that, you know, he changed it based off X, Y, and Z. I try not to go by what people say. I try to do my own research. So a lot of stuff in the book did say that he, why he wanted to change the name from, um, East Detroit to East Point was because a lot of people were getting packages sent to Detroit because they they said East Detroit was, you know, similar to Detroit. So a lot of people businesses were getting their stuff sent to Detroit. And he said it was a lot of uh, he didn't want certain things. And, you know, to be like East Point that, you know, is in Detroit, like, you know, certain, you know, ghetto and things like that. So he didn't want to be ghetto. You know, pretty much. And it's a lot of other things that he wrote in there, too. I don't want to miss uh say anything that I read a couple months ago, you know, sometime last year. So but it, it showed the distinction why he wanted to change it. Some of it, I felt like it was racial. Yes, I did. But he changed the name just by a little, you know, amount of votes. But going forward, um, 
the history that I know about East Point and things like that and moving forward is a lot of that, uh, those ideas are still there, unfortunately. And I want people to know that because I was elected the first African-American councilwoman, because I was elected the first black mayor, that doesn't stop anything. It takes time for people to see themselves and see the things that they're doing wrong. And just because you elect somebody doesn't change their mindset. You know, people's hearts need to be changed first in order their mind to be changed. And so hopefully I I will be doing that. Hopefully when they see the work that I put in, when they see that this woman is not just a black woman, she's a, a person that's trying to change a community. Once we start putting the color on on top of it, you know, even though sometimes it does inspire people when you do say first African-American, because people need to see different, you sure. know, even Caucasian, you know, need to see different that everybody don't look like them can do the job, you know. So it's important that in some aspect to say that. But I want people to know that anybody can do anything if they put God first. And that's black, white, Asian and et cetera, et cetera. And. I, I hope that I think it's not all the way there in East Point, but it's still little aspects, still specks of that in it. Okay. And the only reason I say that is because I live it. Sure. I don't say it because I'm guesstimating it. I say it because I live it. I've seen it. And um, and it's not just in people say, oh, yeah, the, the, the Caucasian people, yeah, they probably still racist, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, let's calm down now because all racism isn't. In, in Caucasians, you know, I've dealt with it in African-Americans. I've dealt with it in all races. And so I don't want to limit racism and into one group of people. Sure. Because that's not what I've experienced sure. in my life. Sure. You know, so I just think it's not even the groups of people. It's just people in general need to evaluate how they think and how they do things. And um, just like I was telling Someone, I got a email sent to me when I got elected. <clears throat> Someone saying that I am so proud of you that you won. I'm so excited. But you know, um, you being a black mayor is gonna send Caucasians out the city, gonna make our auto insurance go up, and it's gonna be a bad look for the city. I said, "This what kind of letter is this? This is a congratulatory right. letter or what?" You know. I didn't know how to respond to that. Sure. You know, and he let me know in the beginning of the letter, I'm African-American. Hmm. So this is what he thought. Sure. And I respect everybody's opinion, but I said that I, I brung up his letter because when people talk about racism or um, certain things, they just say, oh, automatically it's white people. And I want to kind of stop that whole idea because we all have our own ideas and issues within ourselves that we need to change. Sure. Everybody got problems. Everybody has issues. We all need to change as a whole. And um, it hurt my feelings. I'm not going to lie when he said that because it's like, okay, are you happy or are you disappointed? Right. And you that kind of leads me to my, my next question. Um, I, I'm particularly curious about how race played out in your election. I mean, I mean, you're talking about a city that is 46 percent uh, black now, mm -hmm. um, where, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was nowhere near 46 percent. Um, and you're also talking about a race where you won by 19 votes. Right. Um, and so 
talk to me a little bit about um, how race was a factor or was it a factor in how you might not have been how you campaigned, Mm -hmm. but it may have been in the minds of voters in terms of whether they were going to vote for you or your competitor. Um, I hate to say race is not a factor in this world we live in. Race is always a factor. Unfortunately, we haven't bypassed race in this, you know, in the United States. We just haven't. We haven't grew up yet. That's all I can say about that. So when you in the city where, you know, it's one race that has always been the um, the dominant one, it's always going to be a factor because now you're trying to go against something that's the norm. So the norm is it's Caucasian elected officials, Caucasian police officers, Caucasian city. So when you have this this um, woman, African-American woman that wins, that's not normal. This is what is this? It's like, you know, you know, you enjoy vanilla, you know, ice cream and then somebody sneak chocolate. It's like, what's this? It's on, this is different. And so. um so how did I, you know, my strategy into doing that was trying to get people to understand I'm just like everybody else. And the way I worked, the way I did things, the way I moved, you know, even though people are still going to see she's a black woman, I can't change that. I'm a, a five foot two, short, cute with locks. I can't I can't change that at all. But I tried to bypass how they looked at me on the outside and the work that I did in the community. OK. And. On a separate note, because I'm curious about this, because all across the country, you, you mentioned lo- your locks. Mm-hmm. And all across the country, there have been attacks on women with natural hair. Mm-hmm. And in Cincinnati, they uh, came up with a law saying that it's discriminatory to cut someone's locks or to make them cut their their hair, you know, naturally and all of that kind of stuff. Talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, I know it's you know, something separate, right. but it, but it is something that you have to deal with as a mayor. So talk right. to me a little bit about, because we're in a, we're in a time uh, period where, you know, there was a young man um, in Chicago um, who got his locks cut off um, by a, um, a nonprofit that got some money from Jay-Z through, through the NFL portion. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're seeing all across the country, a lot of, um, issues pertaining to uh, natural hair. So if you could talk to me a little bit about that, I would be curious about that. Yeah, because I remember we just doing a parade just talking about um, not only natural hair, but, you know, speaking of, you know, wearing a medallion or something like certain clothes. So I remember the first parade I was going to be in and my friend told me, why don't you wear nothing but African outfits and African stuff? I said, now, why do I got to do that? Well, you want to show that you're uh, black and you're proud. I said, I think I've shown that. You know, I said, you know, Obama didn't have to wear dashiki and stuff like that. He was born, at, he was, you know, he's black. That's good enough, you know. And so, you know, um, wearing my locks and things like that and a predominantly, because Macomb County's predominantly elected officials are Caucasian, you know. And um, I just actually embrace it because— it, if I hit it, I know a lot of people said in the election, maybe you want to wear a wig to cover your locks, you know. And I said, if I cover my locks, then I am not doing what, you know, I should be doing to represent something that I'm trying to represent. I'm trying to represent that we are just as equal to everybody else. So you're not doing due diligence 
if you're trying to look like everybody else, but you're trying to tell people that we're just as equal. So in order to let people know you're equal like, you know, them, you still have to be yourself and do the same job that they can do, you know, without changing who you are. And so, you know, sometimes I do pin my hair up and things like that. But Macomb County and residents know that Monique Owens has never changed her look to uh, to fit in with anybody. And so I never did that even growing up. So sometimes, you know, and then my children always were the African-American kids around, you know, Caucasian kids and things like that. And what I what I learned a lot of times when they were around, you know, Caucasian kids and stuff like that, it was kind of hard for me because, you know, I remember they went to this princess event and they said, Mom, we want our hair down. And I said, well, you know, your hair is curly. It was made like that. But then some of the Caucasian moms will come up to me and say, my kids told me that they want beads and braids in their hair. And so it's just, a, you know, a idea of everybody wants the same thing somebody else has or want to experience the same thing somebody else has. So when I go to events in Macomb County or Caucasians, Filipinos or whatever, they embrace me and I embrace them because I keep it all the way 100. Sure. You know, and I don't even think certain people, you know, really would want to be around me if I came around looking like them because they don't nobody gets to know who you really are if you're trying to look like everybody else. Yeah. I mean, you know, how do you teach somebody about locks or, you know, how you take care of your skin or where you come from when you're hiding all that? Sure. I mean, it sounds like you took a page out of NDRE. Mm -hmm. I am not my hair. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because people have to get past you know, what your hair looks like right. and what they expect you to be in order to um, get to know you as a person. Right. You know. So I want to switch back to what we came to talk here about. Okay. Um, your your um, administration. So what can people expect uh, from your administration? And have you begun to um, select your cabinet and mm-hmm. and people that will be working for you? Uh, right now, we're working on um, our mayor pro tem and figuring out who would be best for that. And also, when I left my council seat, we're trying to actually re- replace someone to take on, you know, my seat. So we're just working on getting the best group of people to work with the city. And hopefully, those same people already been doing that. You know, I am not the type of person that likes to work with people who want to just start working because they got a title. I like to work with people who've been doing things in the community and the title just opening more doors so they can do the job better. And so um, I just hopefully, you know, we can find certain people that do the job. So we're just looking for right now we have uh, we're looking for a city manager to help because we okay. have a weak uh, form of govern- sure. government. And so the city manager, um, we're over the city manager and the city manager is over the directors and things right. like that. Because a lot of times people get confused about what type of mayor I am. We have the weak form of governor, yeah. government. Yeah. And Detroit has the strong, strong form of government. Right. Yeah. And so everything is just a learning experience. And I don't mind teaching people, you know, about politics because I didn't know. Sure. You know, so I'm very excited about people learning what I do, how to do it, and then they can become it. Okay. And then as the mayor, what what are you going to bring to the table? What are you mm-hmm. going to express to people out there as well as uh, people that work within the administration? Well, I'm trying to bring in more homeowners. Okay. You know, a lot of people, when I was a councilwoman, complained about we're getting tired of renters in our community. I was like, okay, well, these are people, too, that 
need housing, you know. And so I said, well, I do want to create a way where people can own their own home, invest in the city of East Point, and take pride in where they your, their home is. I believe that when you have your own, you can help somebody else. You know, and in the past, East Point has given tons of homes to investors that live in California, uh, Alaska, and things like that who become not all of them, but some become slum landlords to these people that are just trying to make ends meet. And so if I can take out the middleman and allow them to own their own and be responsible for their own um, home and things like that, I feel like I just empower somebody. Okay. And also um, bringing more small businesses to East Point. A lot of businesses have come to East Point, which I'm really excited about. Um, in the beginning of me being a councilwoman, I went to go visit a lot of these you know, businesses, I posted them on Facebook, told people to come to their business, and people came to those businesses just because I went there. So name recognition that I saw that I was bringing to the business really helped them out. They would call me and say, Miss Owens, we had we had several people come here and order food because off of you, and that's the type of, you know, leader I want to be where I help somebody be successful. And sometimes a title in front of your name does help that. I'm not going to lie about it. You know, I've met people I've never met before, went places I never met before just because I was a councilwoman. And so meeting those people and getting in those doors allowed me to help other people. Because somebody might say, do you need X, Y, and Z, Miss Owens? I might not need it, but I know somebody that does. And just because I got in with the title, sometimes you got to get in the door some type of way. Right. You know, and and sometimes, and I've learned that you might not get through the door, you got to probably get through the window. Right. You know. Or kick down the or door. Or kick down the door. Right. You know what I'm saying? So... And sometimes people get in the door by somebody else opening the door for them. Like, so if I can open the door, walk through the door, and somebody's, you know, and I'm holding somebody's hand behind me to go with me, that's the type of person that I am. Okay. Okay. And so in my years of covering government, um, I've learned that mayors are taught in mayor school. And obviously it's been a week and, you know, you have a weak form of mayor. Right. So – you know, it doesn't necessarily – you might not have the finances to be sent to mayor school like um, many of the mayors in Detroit have been sent to. But mm. the issue there is that they, they tend, typically tell you to focus on three things that you want to get accomplished um, in, your, in your term – if you, in your first term if mm-hmm. you're given a second term as mayor. Right. Um, they try to say – that you're supposed to focus on three things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my question is, what are the three things that, that you think are a priority in East Point? Home ownership, bringing new businesses, and, of course, decreasing crime. Okay. And so even before I was mayor, I've been working on those three things. And so with the home ownership, I even wanted to create some initiative where – because everywhere you go, it's a – you know. You need police officers. And then you go to sometimes you go to the suburban area and further out, they pay more. Right. Some people have pensions and some people now got 401ks. So, you know, when you're doing a job of a police officer like I did, you know, you don't get paid that much and you do a big job. And so I want to create something where the homes that we buy use those homes that we give to officers that work for East Point to live in those. And after 10 years, it's given to them. So, you know, just different ideas to you know, that would bring down, you know, all type of crime when your police officer, a police officer is your next door neighbor, you know, and um, it just would bring a city up. It would bring, you know, uh, 
people moving back into the city. I know Detroit used to do that when you had to live in, you know, work for the city and also live in that city. Yes. You know, when they took that away, a lot of officers moved out. Res- resident, uh, residential uh, requirement. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it won't be a requirement, but it'd be some, an initiative to get officers back into the city. And so when you have a weak form of government, as uh, we do in East Point, you have to get a certain amount of votes. So I can have... The greatest idea in the world, if I don't get those votes and that backing by city council, it might not go how I want it to go. And so um, that's why you got to pick and choose your battles, you know, and ho- and you can have the best idea in the world. It can make sense. But, you know, everybody's, you know, experience or thoughts or. If you don't have the five votes to get it passed, it doesn't matter. Three votes. OK, three you votes. Three there. votes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I covered Detroit. So, okay. you know. It's, it's nine members of city council in Detroit. Yeah. It's always you. The you know when you're yeah. the when you're the mayor, you got to count to five. Yeah. If you want to get something done, you you got to count to five. And if you get up to five, then something can get passed through council. Exactly. In your case, it's three. Yes, so, sir. Yes, okay. sir. So just making sure that I listen to what council wants and try to bring my ideas and you know equal to what they want to and just work together because I hate to have a city and if we can't get along or have to be on the same page and what are we doing? Sure. On on another interesting note that you mentioned, um, you talked about police mm-hmm. and I was just curious about what are the numbers in terms of black police officers um, in East Point and how can you, you know, improve it if it is low? I don't, I don't know off the top mm-hmm. of my head what um, the percentages are, but Talk to me a little bit about that and and how you can increase, if it's necessary, um, the the number of black police officers there are in East Point. Um, good question. Well, we only have one black officer. Okay. And I think he was hired about three years ago. So I think a lot of people know that, but they haven't seen him. Like, where is this officer that, you know, but he was working midnight shifts for, you know, a long time. And so – People are always, that's the first thing people ask me, why you guys need to hire more black officers? I said, well, hold on. Black officers need to apply. You can't make sure. people, you know, um, you can't put an ad, we need black people, you know, <laughs> that, you, a lawsuit right there. Right. So, you know, people have to want to, you know, come there and feel comfortable. And so with the new uh, public safety director, he's amazing. He wants diversity. He pushes for it and things like that because I feel like when you're dealing with a certain group of officers that um, aren't around other officers that don't look like them, you won't get to learn, sure. you know, certain things from certain people. Sure. You know, even when I went to the police academy, it wasn't it was diverse. But when I went in there, it was the white officers um, went over on this side. The black officers went on this side. I'm like, how are we going to get a how are you going to be ready to go police somebody that looks like me when you can't even sit by me? You see what I'm saying? Sure. So how we try to uh, go towards bringing more officers uh, to work for East Point is we just did something where we changed the uh, requirements because the requirements at first was probably have a social bachelor's degree and things like that. And um, a lot of people don't have money to go get a bachelor's sure. degree and things like that. And a lot of times with Detroit, you don't need all that. You just right. go to the police right. academy. Right. And so when you go to these other places, they want you to have a bachelor's degree and this and this and this. And that can deter people, um, not even just African-Americans, but people, period, who don't have the funding. Sure. But I think that would help more, you know, people 
diverse, you know, of different backgrounds who can afford certain things to come to work for the police department. And our director actually came up with the idea. Okay. Because he saw that I was so adamant about, let's do this. We need to, what do we do to get more people here? And we need to make it more diverse. And he saw that. And you're, the people that's the leadership of a police department or certain things, you need to know how they think. Right. Because the officers are going to go by how that, that, that director thinks. So the director is not pushing diversity. If the director is talking about a certain race of people, that's how the whole police department going to be. Sure. So the police department is, you know, we were working on diversity. The the person that's over it pushes it. He wants it. And he's uh, we are in a good direction of, you know, getting more people. And how will your experience in law enforcement help uh, bridge the gap between someone who wants diversity and someone who is who has been in law enforcement? Because clearly – that is in your lane. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can certainly offer him someone who has experience um, in law enforcement and, is, and wants to bring more diversity there. So talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, how that relationship between you and the public safety director is, I, I would say, is very crucial in terms of um, mm-hmm. what's going what's going to happen or what could happen in East Point. What I like about um, hiring a public safety director, I can let him know about what a group of people think about the police department and how to change it. The only way you can change something is you got to be totally upfront and real to, you know, what the challenges are. I can't say, oh, we need to uh, make the police department diverse. And somebody say, why? Well, I can't tell you why because blah, 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 blah. You know, this is what a group of people are saying. They're getting harassed. They, you know, they're getting picked on. This is what's going on. Sure. You know, and I don't like it. But I do like, you know, the fact that the police department, because that's why people move across 8 Mile. Let's be real. And I have to let a lot of people know who complain about the police. That's why you moved across to East Point Royal Oak, because the police are on point. They don't play. You know, whether they, because I didn't play. You know what I'm saying? But I don't want people being stopped because of the color of their skin. That is not what East Point is about. That is not what the department is about. That's not what Monique um, Owens is about. And so what I let him know about getting into the, the high schools and letting police officers be seen more into the high schools and letting, you know, a uh, communication in, with the residents and people who are moving into East Point that has known East Point to say the officers are against black people. That was the known, you know, idea. What we're trying to do is get away from what East Point was so-called used to be and changing that dynamics by telling the truth. Letting, letting, you know, people, you know, letting each other know and communicating. This is what people have been going through X amount of years. It's hurtful. How do we move forward? And having those conversations um, with somebody that wants to make change, it's a difference when somebody just listening to you and say, I don't care. But having a conversation with somebody that wants to make change and saying, what do I have to do to to do this, Miss Owens? And listening, because he got more experience in the world, but he don't have experience being African-American. That's the difference. Right. And so in order for us to connect with one another, I have to tell you my experiences being African-American. You tell your, me your experience about being Caucasian or Asian or Mexican. And so you'll find out we have very much similarities, you know, and the things that we're different in. How do we make change in that? Okay. But we got to start by telling the truth. Okay. Um, so I want to jump back to campaign mode. Okay. I just want to ask, what did you learn about yourself during the campaign? Um, because, you know, candidates start off one way when they run as being a mayor mm-hmm. and they end up 
something completely different because of what they've learned um, throughout the campaign. So what is the campaign? What have you learned and what did the campaign teach about yourself? Uh, What did I learn about the campaign that even though people don't or didn't believe in you, you know, you can't get mad at them because they didn't know. They didn't believe, but you show different and you can't be mad because at first I was I was kind of sad. I was hurt, you know, and bitter and things like that. But at the end of the day, after I won, these are the same people you got to work with. These are the same people that need you. But because they didn't see you as a winner, you know, you can't get mad at what people don't see because you saw it. You know, I can see the sky is blue and you can say, well, you know, I see the rainbow. I don't see the rainbow. You know what I'm saying? And so I can't get mad at people who didn't understand my vision and didn't help me with the vision. But, you know, what I can do is say since people see that they can do anything and everything is possible, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? And so since people saw that I won, since people saw that, you know, certain things, I want people to, you know, be, uh, you know, just I just want to be, you know, molded into my position and things like that. And I think that's what has happened. You know, just God has been molding me to, you know, and not be angry or try to get back at people. Because like somebody just said the other day, you know, those same people that did you wrong. You got to work with them. Right. I said, yeah. So you can't be mad because you still got to do business with them. Right. I said, yeah. You know, and so it just taught me to be humble. It taught me to be quiet. It taught me to move a certain way that I wouldn't have known that I knew, knew a little bit in the campaign, but now I know even even more. Okay. You know, because you got to be very strategic when you move a certain way, but then you win, you got to be even more strategic. Because when I was moving a certain way, one of many people watching me because they didn't believe in me. Right. Not everybody watching me. So you got to move differently now, you know. So if I put something on Facebook and said, y'all need y'all help and blah, 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 you know, it's probably five people watched and shared it. But I can say I'm coming to this podcast and I got four or five thousand followers watching everything that I do now, you know. So the way that I move got to be different, humble and quiet. And so but at the same time, everything that I've done and everything that I worked for, even though people didn't believe in me, people now believe in something. And that was the whole point. You know, the whole point is to believe in the impossible and everybody don't ain't ready for that. OK. And now they hopefully they are. And I'm just know. curious. What was your campaign slogan? Um, together moving forward. OK. And what what was the meaning behind that? To bring all races together to move this this not only the city, but this country forward. And the only way we can do that is I know um because I didn't get to where I am just because a group of uh, certain people just voted for me. I needed all type of races to do it. And I'm letting people know I can't just do this with one group, this group, that group. I need all you guys to show, you know, uh, East Point, Detroit, Michigan, other cities that we can't move this country along, this city let alone along, if we keep on doing things separately being racist and things like that. And I absolutely want to um want to let them, you know, inspire African-American community that their vote matter. 
because when we did the Department of Justice and we, you know, they talked about, you know, uh, did research and stuff like that and said African-Americans don't get out and vote. And, you know, and some of the truth is we don't. That's me being truthful again. You can get mad if you want to, but in order to change, you got to tell the truth. And so I want to tag, tap into that group of people and say, wake up. Wake up. People are watching you not do anything. And I tapped in it and I told them the reason why a group of people don't believe in anything is because they don't see nothing different. People didn't vote for years because every time they voted, it went to a certain group of people. And they gave up and said, it don't matter. And then when Trump got voted in, they said, it really don't matter. Let's forget it, you know. And so I want to wake a group of people up and say, if you don't vote at all, it really don't matter. And showing that they voted, you know, um, and came out to the polls is evidence. You have to wake up and use your power. People don't know what how to use their power. And a lot of people watch a certain group of people, which is African-American, are a powerful group of people that don't know how to use it. And they um, benefit from that. And when you watch a group of people, because you can you can tell when you go into, diff, you know, different African-American communities and certain people go into there, go in there, live in Bloomfield Hills and get rich off of poor people because they know they're not using their, you know, their power. And people get rich off people that don't know anything. And I watched that and I saw it and I said, how do I tap into a group of people to let them know they just as intelligent and powerful, just like everybody else? How do I? And it was hard. It's still hard. How do you tap into something that is normal? That became normal to a group of people that, okay, this person uh, won't get elected. That's why people didn't believe in me, because they got used to the norm. Of she ain't gonna make it. They are, East Point always chose a white person. Get over it. You ain't gonna win. What else is going on? Where, where you know where are we going to a cabaret at this weekend? <laughs> you know what else is going on? And so and I get that. You know and so how do I make you a believer? Okay. And that's what this election was about. To not only and not to wake up that group of people to say your vote matters. Your you matter and it's bigger than just the vote that matters. You're powerful. You're powerful. And if you stick together, you're even more powerful. Sure. But you got to the norm of, you know, I said this, um, this election reminded me of the movie The Django. Because when Jamie Foxx was on the horse and the African-American man looked at him and was mad. He, you know, he went, and Jamie Foxx, you know, said, don't look at me again. And at the end of the movie... He set that guy free because this man was so jealous of him being on the horse. He didn't understand the strategy that Jamie Foxx was trying to set him free. But he, you know, we get so angry at each other being on top. You don't know me being on top is helping pull you up. Sure. So that's another thing that I saw, too. And so together moving forward, it's not just African-Americans. It's about Caucasians opening up their their minds and stuff like that, not just seeing me as a black woman with locks. But as a as a woman, as a human being, trying to make change, okay. just like you, right? You know. Well, we have to wrap up. No, I I know it's hard. It is. But we're we could go on and on and on. Um, I definitely would like to have you back. Absolutely. Um, but I want to get your final thoughts on everything that we kind of talked about today, and uh, anything else that uh, 
uh, you may have missed telling me and that you wanted to tell uh, our listening audience? Well, I just want to first thank you for allowing me on your show. Um, my uh, good friend, Oliver Gant, who always sets up my radio shows and, and newspapers and things like that. He's an awesome guy to know. Uh, he also he actually has a business in East Point, and he's really amazing. And um, we also want I also really want East Point to get to know their mayor. You know, I want people not just to, you know, friend me on Facebook. I want people to bring their businesses to East Point. I want people to move into East Point and, you know, good, wholesome people that have, you know, a good heart, good backgrounds and things like that, you know, and um, come to East Point and know your power. That's the that's the where I want to end it. Know your power. And the only way you can know your power is you have to know God. God got to show you something. You know, we all talk about we believe in God and and then we complain about what we don't have and how we can't do something. It's like, I don't know what God you serve, but the God I serve, he is going to allow me to do things that I didn't even know I was going to do. So understand your power, understand your worth, you know, wake up, get out and vote. Stop, you know, having excuses and use what God has given you. Everybody has a talent. Everybody has something in them. Mine was just different. So I don't want nobody to go out and be jealous of Monique Owens and say, oh, I could have did that. You you definitely could have, you know, um, and you still can. But we don't want people to, to be envious and jealous because you don't know what I go through. Right. You don't know the letters I get. You don't know the, the things that I deal with just for you to not deal with it. And that's what being the first is about okay. is to deal with things so you don't have to deal with it. Okay. And so. Thank you again. Okay. Well, thank you, Monique. I appreciate you, uh, Miss Mayor. Thank you. Because I always address mayors as, you know, generally it's Mr. Mayor. So, Miss Mayor. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you being on the show. And um, this is where we're going to wrap up uh, okay. Beyond the Headlines. And for all of our listeners, I hope you all have a great week. As we leave Beyond the Headlines, I want to give our listeners a inspirational quote for you guys to ponder each week as you get ready for the new show. It's from Dr. Martin Luther King. It reads, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Until next time, we'll see you on Beyond the Headlines.